Go ahead, open your Bibles, the book of John 13, 7. John 13, verse 7 is our main text. What a privilege it is to, to, to uh, minister and give the word of God. Uh, Holy Spirit, speak to, uh, I believe, to people here tonight. Uh, John 13, 7 is our main text. Uh, I know tonight is Super Bowl night. Uh, some, a few people already mentioned something to me. Uh, uh, so uh, 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 I'm, I'm going to speak what the Holy Spirit wants me to speak. Uh, and I'm going to be going with the Holy Spirit, amen? Praise God. Only two or three, okay, amen. Praise God. We're starting off real good. All right, I'm going to speak what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to his people, amen? Amen, amen. Praise God. Only a few more, but hey, God is good. All right, praise God. Uh, found, uh, came across an interesting article. Uh, it's about the Philadelphia Eagles starting quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's, you know, of course, the Philadelphia Eagles, if you don't know anything about the Super Bowl or care less about the Super Bowl, is uh, the Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs are playing the Philadelphia Eagles. And so I came across an interesting article about the Philadelphia Eagles starting quarterback. The article said uh, the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback, Jalen Hurts, stands on the precipice of a remarkable accomplishment. Four years ago, he was replaced as Alabama's starting quarterback by Tua Tagovailoa. Now he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and he's one win away from a world championship. So he's playing tonight. The article continues by saying in his third full year in the league, he was asked how did he overcome all the adversity to get where he's at right now. His answer is what triggered my message tonight. And hopefully God will speak to you of this message. Uh, he, this was his answer. This was his response when the reporter asked him, how did you overcome all the adversity that you went through to get where you're at now, where you're about to play for the Super Bowl? His answer. My favorite Bible verse is, and I quote, John 13 verse 7, our main text. You may not know now, but later you'll understand. He's quoting Jesus. Jesus said those words. You may not know now, but later you'll understand. Hopefully, he says, people will understand. I went through a lot of stuff in college, he continues. And that verse right there kind of stuck with me. And so the question that comes is, if you don't follow college football, those who follow college football know what happened to him, what he went through. But, uh, but for the rest uh, uh, of those who don't follow college football, I'm just going to give you a little quick run through of what happened to him in college. In college, Jalen Hartz was the starting quarterback for the University of Alabama. Hartz was the first true freshman to start a quarterback for Alabama in 32 years. That's pretty good, huh? Fresh from, from high school, he goes into uh, college playing football. He gets a scholarship, uh, and he's the, he's, he starts off. He starts, he's, 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 he's basically his freshmen tend to sit down, sit and wait for the person who's ahead of them. And he starts, uh, and he's the first quarterback to start in 32 years. The article continues by saying he produced a historic freshman season, breaking all types of records. He was named SEC player, uh, Offensive Player of the Year. SEC Freshman of the Year, and he received Freshman All-American uh, from several publications. 
His heart was also featured on the cover, or a cover page of Sports Illustrated. But everything turned upside down in 2018 uh, in the national championship game against your beloved Georgia Bulldogs. I know you all remember that 2018 game. It's okay. It's okay. Stick with me. You've won two. Okay? It says Alabama fell behind 13-0 at halftime. And Hartz was struggling in his play. He would eventually be benched in favor of true freshman Tua Tagobai Law. Tua would lead the Crimson Tide from a come-behind victory over the Bulldogs in overtime. Hartz was the guy playing on the other team as the starting quarterback. The guy who got benched at halftime, that's that guy. Says Jalen Hartz would never start again for the University of Alabama. And after playing the next full season as the backup quarterback, he eventually transferred to the University of Oklahoma. He finished his college career having gone to two national championships. And despite his stellar play, he had lost his starting position. He struggled in one game, and it cost him his starting position for the next full year while he was playing at Alabama. Forcing him to transfer. But he says what kept him grounded during this season, what kept him grounded when he was going through all this, uh, was that scripture, John 13 verse 7. That kept him from quitting. That kept him from, from calling quits. That kept him from pulling the plug uh, on playing football. John chapter 13, verse 7, that scripture that we're about to read. I'm reading from the Amplified Translation. It's our main text. The Bible puts it this way. Amplified Translation of John 13, 7. Jesus replied to him, him is Peter. You do not realize now what I am doing, but you will fully understand it later. You do not realize what I am doing now in your life, but you will fully understand it later. You know, many times we tend not to see what God is doing um, in our lives now. It's not until later that we come to understand what he was doing. Let me stay with me. But there's a catch. And you know what the catch is? You have to make it to the later. If you don't make it there, you never see what he was doing. If you pull the plug, you never see what he was doing. And so with this in mind, I want to preach to you a message that I've called, uh, Not Now, But Later. Not Now, But Later. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for the opportunity you've given us to gather together in your assembly. God, I ask you allow your Holy Spirit in this place to speak to your people. So they may gain understanding, God, concerning perseverance, concerning patience, and concerning development, God, that you take all, all your servants through uh, so that they may understand uh, there's greater things ahead. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Not now, but later. The first thing we're going to look at is something I call the now season. The now season. In our text, Jesus is speaking to Peter concerning the washing of his feet. Peter is clueless on what Jesus is doing at the moment, yet Jesus, on the other hand, is fully aware of what he's doing with Peter. 
And so here it is, you have Peter, the human being, and then on the other side, the contrast, you have Jesus, God in the flesh, and, the, and, and Jesus is saying, I want to wash your feet, and Peter is, is refusing Jesus to wash his feet. And Jesus says to him, if you don't do this, if you don't go through this, you are not my disciple. You cannot be my disciple. And so Peter is having trouble understanding this. Uh, uh, you want me to do this. You want me to, to go where I don't want to go. You want me to do what I don't want to do. Uh, and you're telling me if I don't do it, I'm not going to be your disciple. Yes, Jesus says. Because I'm fully aware, Jesus says, of what I'm doing with your life. And you will not be able to understand it now. But later on, Peter, you will understand it. How many of you know God is always doing something in our lives. And many times you will, you will not understand what he's doing. You may not like what he's doing. And Peter is in this position and he basically is like, I, I, I don't understand what you're saying. I'm confused concerning what you're doing, Jesus. And, 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 and I don't want to go through it. But Jesus says you need to go through it. Understanding will come later. Many of you have ever been in Peter's shoes? Should I say Peter's sandals? Where Jesus is doing something in your life, but you're clueless on what he's doing. You're confused and, and you're disoriented concerning what Jesus is doing with your life now. You see, the now season uh, is the season where you don't realize uh, what Jesus is doing in your life uh, right now. Your head is spinning uh, trying to figure it out, but you can't catch a grasp on exactly what he's doing. You know he's doing something, but you can't figure it out. And all you're left to do is walk by faith in that season, that now season. You're doing the right things, yet you keep finding yourself in a place of discomfort and discouragement and depression. Have you ever been there? You don't need to raise your hand, just nod. Here's an example. You can get down to the neighborhood now. You are the one who's consistently picked as the bride of honor because you have a good testimony. Your good testimony isn't getting you married. It's only getting you on the line. And you start wondering, is having a good testimony even benefiting me? Have you ever thought that? Don't raise your hand, just, you know, nod with me, I know. You start asking, what about me, Jesus? When will, it, when will my testimony start benefiting me? When will it be my turn to be the bride? When will it be my turn to pick some bridesmaids instead of being picked? When will it be my turn to Throw the flower behind my head so other ladies can catch it. There's some real questions people ask themselves. 
Those who got married young, this is just going over your head. Say, what? What's he, what's he talking about? Some people ask themselves these serious questions. The now season. When you don't understand what Jesus is doing in your life now. See, the now season is jailing hearts. Doing everything right, yet finding himself sitting on the bench. He's breaking records up. He's getting awards. He's on Sports Illustrated. He's taking his team to the, to the top of college football twice. And at the end of the season, where do we find him? We find him on the bench. He had one bad game, and he's sitting on the bench the next full year. The now season. When you don't understand what's going on, and all you're left to do, uh, or all you're left with is you have to walk by faith. Uh, or in Jalen Hart's case, uh, all you're left with is John 13, 7. That's it. See, the now season has the capacity to derail you if you don't process it correctly. You know, many preachers, including me, I've done this. Uh, I'm guilty. We've jumped on, uh, on, 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 on Abraham and Sarah uh, uh, concerning the Hagar, Hagar issue. We've beat up on them concerning the Hagar issue. But we need to put ourselves uh, in their sandals for a moment. Think about this. Abraham had been waiting on God for 10 years. Ten years is a very long time to wait. My youngest son has problems waiting ten seconds. <laughs> Some of us, ten months is just too long. Ten years is a very long time to wait. Abraham had waited on God for ten years. Imagine God speaking to you a word. You're going to get married in ten years. You're going to have a baby in ten years. Ten years go by. And your baby less. You are married less. You're not married. The now season. God speaks a word to you. You're 22. By 32, you're not, you see, the word hasn't come to pass. Your brain starts spinning. You know what I mean? Your mind starts running. You start thinking up Hagar ideas. Hagar was from Egypt, Egyptian ideas, worldly ideas. You know, I believe, it's just an opinion, this is not scripture, it's just my personal belief about Abraham and Sarah. I believe Abraham just got to a place where he was deeply disappointed by the trajectory of his life. He was deeply disappointed by where God had led him and his wife. Remember, God had called them out of the land of the Ur, the Chaldeans. Right? God showed up to him and said, hey, Abraham, follow me. I'm going to take him and give you descendants, a multitude, the stars, the this, the other. And he's like, yeah, yeah, faith, faith. And he's like, Sarah, come on, let's go. Sarah's like, well, you know, I'm going to get a baby and multitudes. And uh, yeah, and they follow God. And next thing you know, 10 years go by and there's no baby. God is still there. He's in the land of Canaan. But the promise isn't there. 
And his brain starts going. Sarah's brain starts going. Asking themselves questions. The now season. Where things don't make sense. Listen to how quickly Abraham submits to Sarah's idea for Hagar. You know that scripture. How many times we get him, hey, Abraham, you just, you, just, you just say yes, just like that? Listen. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It's a simpler English because I want everybody to understand. Genesis 16, verses 1, 2, and 3. Sarah comes up with a Hagar idea. Listen. The Bible says, Genesis 16, 1, 2, and 3. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. That right there, stop right there. That right there sets the stage for what's about to follow. It sets the pace for what's coming. She was unable to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abraham, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abraham as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abraham had settled in the land of Canaan. 10 years later. So what you have is that the problem, she can't produce children for Abraham. And at the end of that, it says how long it had been, 10 years. And so you ask yourself the question, if you think scripture, why didn't Abraham put up a fight? Why didn't Abraham oppose her? No, Sarah, you're my wife. God said, you and me, we're going to have a baby. Why didn't he oppose her? Well, if you think about it in the context of our message tonight, what you come to understand is this. Maybe year five, Abraham was like, no, faith, faith, we, we, we hold on, wait on God. Year seven comes around, oh, man, we wait, wait, Sarah, wait, wait, don't, don't jump off the cliff. Year 10 comes around. Abraham's like, you know what I mean? Sarah's like, I'm done. I'm done waiting on God. And Abraham's like, man, I can't even, I've, I've exhausted all my scriptures about waiting on God. It's been 10 years. 365 times 10. Now you get the idea. They're in the now season. Why wouldn't you oppose? Well, it's been 10 years later. So here's a question. Can it just be, can it just be that Abraham had become tired of waiting on God? Can it just be he had become weary of waiting? You know, many times we tend to put these Bible uh, uh, characters in a, in a platform where they're not. You do know there were human beings like you and I. The Bible is clear on that. Elijah's a man just like you. And we tend to raise them up on a platform where we think they were walking on clouds, you know, riding Pegasus in the clouds and stuff. You know, where's my Pegasus so I can ride it on the clouds too, you know? No, no, they were walking down on this fallen world and they ran into issues that you and I ran into. Like getting weary of waiting. Just like you get weary of waiting. Because the truth is, we can also get to this place. You can get to the place where you are tired of waiting on God. 
And we find ourselves submitting to the Hagar idea. Whatever your Hagar idea is, that Egyptian idea, the worldly idea that you, you might be contemplating right now, if you're in that now season. I'm here serving God. I'm doing right. I'm, 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 I'm giving my all. Uh, but, but, you know, like the old saying, there's no dog backing up my tree. But in, I, I work, man. I work at school, man. I got, I got, I got 800 dogs backing up my tree. <laughs> and I'm just struggling saying, no, man. I'm turning all of them down. I'm turning Egypt down. And I come back to the house again. The now season. You've never been there. And you're missing what I'm saying. But if you've been there, you know exactly what I'm saying. I know what I'm talking about. I was in that season for eight years. I got tired of waiting on God. Your mind starts running. You start contemplating ideas. How can I backslide and still make it to heaven? Your numbers just ain't adding up, but you're trying to. You're trying to force that two plus two has to equal eight. Yes, it has to. You're trying to calculate it. I know what I'm talking about. The now season. Proverbs 13 verse 12 says, Proverbs 13, 12, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. A dream fulfilled is a tree of life. A dream fulfilled gives you life. Jesus said, you do not realize now what I am doing, but you will fully understand it later. You know, the word realize in Hebrew is translated as to see with perfection or to have full knowledge of what's happening. So if we were to plug in that definition into our scripture this evening, it would read this way. You do not see with perfection what I am doing now in your life, Jesus says. You do not have full knowledge of what's happening now. And of course, the contrast is you don't have perfection. You don't see with perfection. You don't have full knowledge. But Jesus says, I do. I see with perfection what's going on in your life. I have full knowledge of what's going on in your life. I know what I'm doing with you with perfection. And what it pushes you to, what it pushes you to do is uh, you either trust Jesus uh, and what He's saying to you, uh, and that He has your future uh, uh, in hand and He has it in good hands, uh, or you will trust yourself. It puts you in that position. This is what Jim was speaking about on Sunday yeah, when he said Proverbs uh, uh, chapter three verses five and six: uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. When in the now season, you can quote that in a good season all day, but in the now season, can you quote that? I'm trusting in the Lord with all my heart, and I refuse to lean on my own understanding. Because your understanding will be trying to lead you astray. See, in the now season, we need to press even deeper in our trust in God. 
You need to override your, your emotions. You need to override your senses. You need to override everything and just ride on faith. On, on faith. Believing that God is doing something good in my life, even though I can't see it now. How many of you know we are not the ones sustaining ourselves? You know, some of us tend to think, you know, oh, me, I prayed. The reason I'm here is because I, I mean, no, 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 Jesus is carrying you. Jesus is carrying He's doing more current than you're walking. I don't know if you know that. Especially in that now season. You know, it's that old story about, you know, the, you know, the old story, you know, there's a footprint in the sand. You know the story. You know, there was, there was two footprints in the sand. And all of a sudden, one footprint disappeared. And there was only one. Jesus, did you leave me? No, I was carrying you. You need to remind yourself that he's the one carrying you the whole time. He wants you to make it in he- to heaven more than you want to make it to heaven. Because, uh, 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 you know, we tend to say we desire making it to heaven. So I want to go, I want to make it to heaven. Uh, but then we contemplate backsliding. If I say, why, why am I thinking about Jesus wanted you to make it to heaven so bad, he left heaven. And then came to earth to go through a now season, a 33-year-old now, now season, so that you can make it to heaven. He wants you to make it to heaven more than you want to make it to heaven. And so when he sees you struggling, uh, when he sees you, oh man, I'm, I'm, he carries you. He literally grabs you and carries you. When you're not feeling, like, I don't feel like going to church. I'm so, I'm so depressed. I'm so discouraged. Uh, things are not going my way. Uh, he's the one that motivates you and pushes you and carries you and brings you here. It's Jesus the whole time. Jesus is doing more carrying than we are walking. Isaiah 46, verses 3 and 4. God is speaking. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been upheld by me from birth, who have been carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am he. Even to the gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made, and I will bear. Even I will carry, and I will deliver you, says the Lord. I, 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 I'm the one doing this. When you want to jump into the lake of fire because of some, some dude or some God, when you want to do this, he's the one that's reaching out to you and pulling you back. When you do jump out there, he's the one that's chasing after you out there and, 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 and just messing your whole thing up. And I say, he won't let you go. He just ain't not even having fun. He's, it's him. And he's dragging you, and you're fighting him because he's dragging you to heaven. It's him. Why? Because he loves you so much. Psalms 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall sustain you. So secondly, let's look at the later season. We've looked at the now season. Let's look at the later season. How many of you know there are some things that are just too awesome, too wonderful for us to understand. And Jesus is not going to try to explain it to you and I. They're just too awesome for us to to grasp. 
things uh, that we're going through and we're trying to grasp our infinite, our finite brain is trying to wrap uh, its hand around it to get it. And he's like, like, you can't get it. You can't get it now. You won't be able to understand it now. It's until later on. Right now, what he says is, I'm going to carry you through it. Just, Just trust me. I'm going to carry you through, just trust me. Continue doing what you need to do. Uh, yes, pray, read your Bible, fuel up your soul. Uh, but trust me as we're walking through this season. Uh, you'll understand it all later on when you look back. Even the difficult things of life. That our brain just tries to... Just, 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 just let it go. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. All he's going to do is going to have you taking a lot of Advil and Tylenol. Just, just leave it alone. You can't wrap your hand around it. You can't wrap your head around it. You'll understand it later on. Just trust me and believe me. There's one thing you can put your trust in is God is good. And he's constantly developing you and I. How many of you know there's personal development that takes place in the now season? Jalen Hurts, back to Jalen Hurts, a quarterback. Some of you see him tonight in the game. Jalen Hurts was put behind other quarterbacks twice in his career. The first one was in college that I read to you about. The second one was when he got the NFL, he got put behind another quarterback. But the beauty of Jalen Hurts is this. He took advantage, he took advantage of the opportunities that were on the now season. When he sat on the bench, he took opportunities while being on the bench. Listen to this article. They went and spoke, interviewed his college coach, Alabama, Nick Saban, Eric Davila's favorite man. He says, Alabama coach Nick Saban, who's seen every step of Jalen Hurts rise, fall, and rise, recalled advice he gave to Hurts at two crossroads of his career. The first came ahead of the 2018 season, during which Hearts backed up Tagovailoa as Alabama won the SEC title and reached the national championship game. We had a conversation. Jalen wanted to graduate from Alabama, so he wasn't going to transfer until he graduated, Saban said. I said you need to work on becoming a better passer. You can't just make plays with your feet. So this whole season... I want you to focus on, in practice on reading coverages, understanding the passing game better, and being able to read and dissect what you need to do quickly. And he was diligent in doing that on a daily basis. He wouldn't run around in practice, and he made himself stand in the pocket and learn how to throw. So here it is. Uh, he's dealing with discouragement. He's dealing with depression. He's in that now season. Uh, the only thing that he's leaning on is that John 13, 7. Uh, and then his, 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 his coach comes up to him and he says, hey, hey, by the way, by the way, you, you need to work on your game. You need to work on throwing instead of running around everywhere. You can't make it anywhere. Uh, you can't make it in the league like that. Did he quit? No. He pressed forward. Did he get an attitude? No. He wasn't like, I led this team to two national championship coach. What, what you talking about? My feet got us there. He didn't do that. What did he do? He went, and, and the, the article says he made himself stand in the pocket. His feet wanted to run, but he said, no, we're staying right here. That's a word for somebody. We're staying right here. I refused. 
He did that as a backup. The whole season. Think about how many people would have gotten offended right there. That's it. That's, that's it. It's my white towel. I've been waiting for you to say that. Because there's development happening. There's development happening. The article continues. He says he kept his feelings in check. I'm going to make a statement. I make a lot of statements. <laughs> Keeping your feelings in check during the now season will save you a lot of headaches later on. If you, don't, if you let your feelings run you, if you, if you let your feelings lead you, they take you to a place where you don't want to go. But if you keep them in check, you save you a lot of headaches. The article continued by saying, the second advice from Nick Saban came after the season. Hurts, now an Alabama graduate, sought to transfer. He had Maryland or Miami in his sights. I was expecting Kyle to say, woo! Okay, stay quiet. I said, you need to go to Oklahoma. They got the best coach to develop you as a quarterback, and you're going to be around the best players. So that's going to enhance your chances of having success. And guess what? Jalen did just that. Y'all didn't know he ended up in Oklahoma because of Nick Saban, did you? So here it is. Submission to authority and listening to wise counsel got him where he's at tonight. And if he wins the Super Bowl tonight, hey, <laughs> Home run to someone, right? Think about that. Think about that. This is what he went through to get where he's at tonight. Proverbs 19.20 says, Listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. In your later days. God intentionally allows us to go through now seasons in order to develop us. The now season that you are in or you may encounter in the future prepares you for the master's use. A good example of that is Joseph. We all know the story of Joseph. You know, the story of Joseph has three developmental stages. I call them the three P's. He was under Potiphar, he was under the prison guard, and he was under Pharaoh, three Ps. And under those three Ps, God worked on him. That's what he keeps repeating, God was with him. That's it. God was working on him, developing him. So, let's look at the three, let's break down the three real quickly as we finish up. Joseph under Potiphar. Joseph under Potiphar learned to manage servants and to run Potiphar's accounts. Genesis 39 verse 6 says, this is a new living translation because there's a word in there that I want to pull out. It says, so Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. That word administrative, it means Joseph was running Potiphar's books while running his household. Joseph was running Potiphar's books while running his household. 
He was learning to count all the servants and how to divide the food in Potiphar's house. Why? Because all these responsibilities as he was learning there, he would later need them. But God didn't reveal the later to Joseph then. He just let him just flow with it. Walk by faith. And of course we know he walked by faith, which led him to the second P, which is the prison. Joseph under the prison guard learned how to care for the lowest of the society. Think about this. Joseph had to manage the prisoner's food without despising their impoverishment, without looking down on them. Genesis 39, verses 22 and 23, the Bible says, Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. In prison, Joseph learned to care for the weak and the broken. He learned to care for the despised and the rejected. He was one of them. He put on their sandals. Because to know how somebody is feeling, uh, what they're going through, uh, you, you have to put on their shoes a little bit and walk in there. And you're like, man, you've been in this for 10 years. I just 10 minutes, bro. This is, whoo, my feet are sore. When you walk somebody's feet, then you start realizing really quickly, mercy, 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 mercy. Joseph did that in the prison, in the dungeon, as a prisoner. And then God raised him to, okay, now I want you to, to, to operate everything in the prison, including the food distribution in there. These are the lowly of the society. I want you to distribute food to them. He learned how to manage all that. Now, why would he learn to manage all that? Because one day, he would have a whole bunch of weak, broken, discouraged people knocking at his door. Genesis 41, 55. This is later on. He's been raised up. He's second in command. Egypt is going through the famine. And the Bible says, Genesis 41, 55, eventually, however, the famine spread throughout the land of Egypt as well. And when the people cried out to Pharaoh for food, he told them, go to Joseph. And all of a sudden, it's a whole bunch of weak, broken people knocking at his door. We don't have anything. We need food. Lastly, Joseph and the Pharaoh. The last P. Joseph and the Pharaoh learned to manage the whole world. Think about this for a second. The now season that Joseph went through prepared Joseph for his destiny. Without the development in Potiphar's house, without the development in the prison, now, Joseph would not have known what to do in Pharaoh's house. He wouldn't have known what to do to distribute food to all these people. And what would be the result? A whole bunch of dead people. Right? The famine had spread throughout the whole land. And he was in charge of passing out the food. Without the now season that he went through, that he despised, that he tried to get out of. If you know your Bible, you know he said, hey, 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 when you get back there, you tell Pharaoh, I'm in here innocently. I didn't do anything. Try to get me out of here. And the Bible says, uh, and, 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 and then the baker promptly forgot about him. 
promptly, King James, promptly, quickly. He just, the gate closed and he quickly forgot all about it. And two more years, Joseph was in there. And it's like, God is like, uh, no, no, not that, not that easy, son. We've got two more years to go. Why? Because the whole world will be sitting in his hand in two years. And if he didn't know what to do, a whole bunch of dead people will be at his hands. So here's a question to you as we finish up. How many lives are dependent on you processing correctly you are now seizing? I can't see any lives. Well, they're coming. They come later on. How many lives are dependent on you processing your now season correctly? How many people would die if you pulled the plug right now in your now season? If you threw in the towel right now, how many people would die? Because at the end of the day, what Jesus is after is saving many lives. Now you know what I mean? We are all here because somebody talked to us about Jesus. I don't think none of us had Jesus come up to them. What if they had pulled the plug? In their now season, would you be here? What if you pulled the plug? Would someone else be here? Because that's what Jesus is going to be asking you about at the day, the day of judgment. Bible, the Bible says in Ezekiel, Ezekiel, Ezekiel 17, I believe, or 18, I might be wrong in that. He's going to require blood out of our hands. You know what I mean? Genesis 50, verse 19 through 20. I'm finishing up. Genesis 50, 19 through 20. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. The now season was good for me, Joseph says. Why? In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. The Amplified Translation puts it this way. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present outcome. What's the present outcome? That many people will be kept alive as they are this day. He processes it correctly. Jesus said, you do not realize what I'm doing now in your life, but you will fully understand it later on. Later on might be in this world, later on might be in the eternal realm, but you fully understand it. And you sit back and say, man, good thing I held on. I held on. It got rough, it got windy, it got crazy, but I cried out to Jesus like Peter did, and he saved me, and he got me back up, and I kept on rolling, kept on going, and now I see, I see now, I, 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 have, I see with perfect eyes now, I see why. Or you're going to sit there with regret before Jesus Christ. So, what should you do while you're in the now season? Two things. Number one, allow God to develop you. Even when your mind is spinning out of control, allow God to develop you. When your emotions are all over the place, allow God to develop you. Even when the devil seems, seems to be offering more than what God is offering, allow God to develop you. 
The devil is lying to you. That's what he does. He's a liar. Allow God to develop you. Why? Because other lives are dependent on your development. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, the Bible says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The second thing, number one, allow God to develop you. Number two, let life play itself out. Let life play itself out. Many times we abort God's plans. We eject God's movie. I'm here to encourage you this evening as we close it out. Let life play itself out. Let God work. You'll be amazed to see what your now season brings forth. Someone once said, life isn't a snapshot but a video. You've got to let it play out to the end. Don't stop the movie when, 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 you know, when it seems like the hero has died. You know, say, ah, he's off, man, he died again. Don't stop, don't, don't stop the story when Jesus is still in the tomb. Keep reading. You see that he resurrects. Keep reading. You see that power comes from heaven, comes down. Holy Spirit. Keep reading. See 3,000 get saved. Let, let it play out. Don't eject. Don't be so quick throwing the towel. I know, I know it's hard. I know you, oh man. Lean on God. Allow God to give you strength to trust him. Because sometimes we just need strength to trust. I tell you, you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed what God will do when you hold on to him. You'll be amazed. He'll turn things around so much. Just like that scripture in Proverbs says, but when the dream, when a dream, a dream fulfilled is a tree of life, you have to get there. You have to get there. And only you decide whether you get there or not. Jalen Hart is there tonight in his, in his own sense, in his own world of playing football. But we're talking about more important things, spiritual things. But if you make a parallel on it, the article I started reading, it said three years ago, four years ago, he was going through it. Somebody told him, four years later, bro, you'll be playing for the Super Bowl. You'll be the hottest quarterback in the NFL right now. Oh, get out of here, man. I'm sitting on the bench. No, no, no. Let it play out. Let it play out. you got to let it play out. And the Holy Spirit is here telling, hey, you see what I do with your life. Don't eject on me. Just keep on rolling with me. You'll see. Why? Because God is good. And everything he puts his hand on turns out to be Good. He can't turn out evil. He's, he can't. God is not evil. He's good. So he will turn out to be good. So don't pull the plug on him. Cooperate with him and just flow with him. Abraham ended up getting the son. He had the Hagar thing and all that we know, but, but he ended up getting the son because he let it play out. So I encourage you, let it play out. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes this evening. Heads bow down. Eyes closed. The presence of God. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Many times, God, 
He's developing things in us. He's working things in us that, that many times we can't see. We can't see what he's doing. And we're in that season where, you know, it's just your head is spinning, your emotions are all over the place. The numbers are not adding up. And he just looks like, man, where, where, where's this going? Where, where, where's this thing? Where, where are you taking me, Jesus? What are you doing? I'm, I'm doing right. I'm, 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 I'm fasting. I'm praying. I'm, I'm, I'm. Where's this thing going? Jesus says, just keep walking. Just keep following me. Just, just, just allow me to develop you. Allow me to work on you. Now, maybe here you say, I don't even know Jesus. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. But I would like to enter into a relationship with Jesus. I would like to get saved. I would like to know this Jesus that you're speaking about. I'm not right with God. I'm living in sin. I know, I know, I know if I was to die tonight, I would not make heaven my home. But I, I, I want to make heaven my home. And I want to get things right with Jesus. Raise your hand and I can pray with you tonight. You're not saved and you want to get saved. You're not right with your, with, with your creator. And you say, I want to get right. I want to get things right with Jesus. Raise your hand and I'll pray with you tonight. You can get things right with him. Maybe you're backsliding. You once walked with Jesus. You once were involved in the things of God. But the now season took you out. It just took you out. You got weary. You got tired. You just, you just, you just, you just gave up. And you threw in the towel and you say, you know, I'm done. You might be here, backsliding while you're here in the heart. Or, you, you know, you, you just visited. You came and visited. You, you haven't been here in a while. You threw in the towel because of the now season. But you're like, you know, the Holy Spirit has spoken to me tonight. And I want to get things right with Jesus. Get things right with Jesus. Tonight is your night. Raise your hand and I can pray with you. Backsliding and you want to get things right with Jesus. Just raise a hand. All heads are bowed down. Eyes are closed. I see that one hand. Anyone else? Anyone else would like to join this individual? You're backsliding. You know you're not right. You know you're not right. Not saved, backsliding. All heads bow down. If you raised your hand, come up here. I'll pray with you. Just come on up here, brother. I'll pray with you. Anyone else? You raised your hand. I'd like to encourage you to come up here. I can pray with you. You can get things situated with Jesus Christ. I want to tell you that Jesus wants to do good things in our lives. He wants to help us. He wants to develop us. But it's a cooperation. You, you have to do your part. He's doing his part already, but we have to do our part. And as long as we stick through it, we, we, we continue pressing in, uh, we'll see later on what he was doing now. I'm going to open up the altars. We're going to sing a song. I encourage you, come spend some time with the living God. God has spoken to you. Come spend time with God and let him speak to you. <laughs>